CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast, home of all things hard rock and heavy metal. I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. Now, let's get things started with the Talking Metal theme song, written by Rob Halford, Metal Mike, and Roy Z. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast. Welcome to another episode. And on this episode, we have a very special co-host, guest, Cassius Morris of the Cassius Morris Show. How are you? Hey, Mark. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Thanks for coming back on. You were on back in 2014. You were on this show. I was on your show, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And I kind of just wanted to circle back around with you and... and see what's up you know uh the a lot of time has passed since we've spoken and uh, give us a little update on what's currently been going on with the the cassius morris show man so much has happened i mean i've been um i've been getting a lot of different interviews i've been getting a lot of opportunities in, in that way um not only interviews i've been dabbling a lot in photography and getting a lot of photo passes going to a lot more shows and trying to incorporate that into the podcast and the website and um, I've been just a lot of shows, uh, a lot of different concerts, a lot of interviews, keeping busy. And also with the comedy side of things as well. I'm still doing a, I do a weekly podcast with the headliners at a Rick Bronson's The Comic Strip every week. So I have access to that. And I'm basically at some form of show uh, at least four nights a week. So that's really, really helping well. the podcast. Yeah. Now. You, when you got into the whole podcasting thing, you were kind of known as, you know, the young kid who, who does the KISS stuff. Um, yeah. How, how old are you now, Cassius? I'm 17. I'm 18 yeah. in November. 
Okay, cool. So are you still, you're still in school? I'm actually not in school right now. I actually took this year off to kind of concentrate on work and stuff. And um, now when the, when fall kind of rolls back around, I'm going to be enrolling in some courses to, to finish up. Gotcha. Cool. So, you know, you, you came to most of a lot of people's attention, my attention as being, as being a, a younger guy who is very knowledgeable and very into kiss so yeah. there's there's a, a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about today, but let's let's start there. The current state of Kiss, we have a tour coming up that's gonna I guess I'd call it like a secondary market tour. Yeah, and uh, you know we've had the recent development with uh, Paul Stanley and Ace getting back together to do a song on Ace's solo record. Um, what are you excited about? as far as KISS goes lately? I'm talking about recent events or things coming up. I mean, I'm, I am going to be seeing KISS on this new Freedom to Rock tour in the Edmonton stop. I'm not cool. going to make it out to the Calgary one, even though it's close. But yeah, that I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm really actually excited. I guess I'm not really looking forward to it because it's already happened, but I, I am excited that Ace and Paul have grown up a little bit. I mean, I think that this whole Ace and Paul thing was a little overhyped because, you know, if you really listen to Ace interviews, you know, I'm sure you know, you know, it, it was just kind of recording sent back and forth from like LA to New York. So it's not that big of a deal, but they got together for the video and just seeing those two on camera together, it's like, it's it's incredible. So that that's probably my favorite thing that's happened. And th- there's a lot of negative, unfortunately, at this point in time for me. Yeah. Well, before you know, before we get into that, w- yeah, seeing Paul and and Ace back together. I mean, you're you're a guy who you know, if I remember correctly, you really came came about um, liking Kiss just partly because of your age and, and and your original attraction to them wasn't really the necessary the classic lineup. Is that correct? It was more what 90s era or even after that i don't know i mean i i think that it would i guess it would be considered the classic lineup i mean i started off with like the kiss gold cds and stuff right okay um but yeah i I, my i mean my kiss has always been gene paul tommy and eric just because that was the first concert i saw and that's just the lineup that's always been around since i've been interested and what are you expecting on this? This what is it called? The Freedom Tour, right? What are you expecting set list wise? Do you think we'll get some gems thrown in there, or just the standard stuff? I don't know. I mean, I I think that we'll get like maybe Crazy Nights. Uh, we might get a song off Monster. I'm hoping to hear Say Yeah. I like that song. Uh, but honestly, I've just given up on hoping for gems at this point. I mean, these guys are these guys just they're just going out there. I guess it can be looked at as like a money run. They're just going out to collect their checks and to, you know, this doesn't seem like it's a very formal tour. It just kind of seems like they're just going to show up and do the show and go home and it's just going to be what you'd expect. Now, there's been a lot of speculation since the the Paul and Ace reunion, if you will, um, that Ace may be invited back to do a kiss tour at some point now there's been no official announcement about that uh Mm -hmm. eddie trunk said on his podcast that ace knows nothing about it and said something like he's always the last one to know however you know i turn on sirius radio and i hear keith roth on ozzy's boneyard talk like you know it might be happening uh what, what what's your thoughts on 
a tour down the road, maybe in 2017, where where Ace rejoins the band for a tour or maybe longer? I mean, the only way I would like to see that happen would be if Ace and his band was going out with Kiss. If if it was like, and it doesn't even need to be an opening situation, because I think we all know if you're a Kiss fan, Ace is not going to open for Kiss. It's just not going to happen. So if, if right. they kind of cover it up and call it a co-headline tour, Kiss and Ace Fraley, you know, hit the road, I would love to see that because at this point, I don't really have a desire to see Ace working with Kiss because I'm, I really enjoy Ace solos. But So maybe if they brought him out for... For one song, but honestly, I don't even need that. I, if if he could open for Kiss, I think that would be good enough for me. Do you think they they need him to sell tickets at this point? You know, I was looking at some of the the ticket sales for this this upcoming tour, and honestly, in in a lot of the markets, they seemed a little soft at this point. Yeah. You know, we still have a, a little ways to go before the actual shows. Uh, hit, but do you think something like that would would increase ticket sales? I mean, because let's face it, Ace on his own right now. I mean, it's no secret he's he's playing clubs basically. Yeah. You know, so it, it's Ace on his own is not is not uh, is not a, a, a big uh, big uh, you know as far as the attendance goes. It's not it's not a big number that he's pulling in on his own. But would Ace back in Kiss? And I know what you're saying is you'd prefer to not have him in Kiss, but yeah. you know, you'd be more into to seeing him open or or do a a, a bill with Kiss with his band. But let's yeah. let's you know play just to play devil's advocate. If he were to end up back in Kiss to put on the makeup one more time, do you think that that would help ticket sales? I think it would I mean I think that it would help ticket sales with the diehard fans but I think that in 2016 I'd say most of the people that are going to see Kiss are people that only know who Gene is and maybe Paul and I I don't think they know or really care about who the other two guys are it's just especially when since it's just the same makeup I I know a lot of people that never listen to Kiss and have seen them live and had a great time and they aren't they don't think about it. So, I mean, w- w- it would pull in some more diehards, I think. But in terms of the general public, I don't think it would really make too much of an impact. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be like a 1996 where they're suddenly, you know, selling out no. as night after night in the same town. Um, you know, but but it's it's the chatter among the diehards is, is that, you know, this would be a great thing. We really want this to happen. But I, I have to agree with you that that the casual fan, for example, my sister-in-law who lives in Fort Wayne, Indiana, she's she has her ticket for the um, the upcoming Kiss show in Fort Wayne in August, and she's totally psyched. And and you know what? To her, it doesn't really matter that Ace is not in the band, that Peter's not in the band. She's just going. You know, she probably has one of the Kiss greatest hits records in her collection, but she's and mm-hmm. that's what she's going for to have a good time with her friends that night. And you know, it, it's even you can spin that over to the Guns N' Roses thing. You know, I'm a, a diehard Guns N' Roses fan. I hear so many people saying, "Well, if Izzy and Steven aren't there, I'm I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not buying it." But it's a similar situation because when you get the guy with the top hat on stage, that iconic. Yep. Look that Slash has. 
people are in. That's what people want to see. That's what the casual fan is willing to lay down, you know, 200, 100, 200 bucks to go to go see. And even when I went to Vegas, you know, I flew out for one of these first Guns N' Roses shows. Wow. I had a guy in the audience who had paid a lot of money for his ticket because they were the VIP tickets mm-hmm. turn to me and and point at Richard Fortas and and say, "Now, is that Izzy?" And I was like, no, no, Izzy's not not a part of this. He's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I wasn't sure if Izzy was a part of it. You know, and, and this was a guy who, who, came, who came into Vegas from L.A., he drove out. He was a LAPD uh, officer, and he bought the ticket. He came out, you know, because he, he just loves Guns N' Roses, but not enough to really care that Izzy and, and Steven aren't there. And, and uh, right. it, it, is, it is interesting, and I definitely think there's a – you know a similarity with with Kiss and and uh, Ace and and Peter and that and that's and that whole thing you know because it, a lot of people don't care they just want it to sound good they want to see those iconic images on on stage and and that's what they get exactly yeah that that's that is a big part of it and and I'm at the point now where it's like I'm not even worried about the the image anymore I I just care about the music with Kiss if you know the stuff that they're doing with the unplugged shows. That is wildly more appealing to me than going to see the usual with the bombs and the explosions, which is great and it's a lot of fun and I've had some of my fondest memories ever at KISS concerts. But I would at this point in time much rather see Ace, Gene and Paul without makeup in like a cool leather jacket and sunglasses with Eric Singer, almost like a Sabbath thing, you know, where it's the three original guys up front, the one dude in the back. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Sabbath, let's get into some music right now. This is Sabbath Bloody Sabbath.
What you just heard was the classic Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath by Black Sabbath, a band that I'm going to see this summer. Uh, you saw them recently, right? Yeah, I just saw two shows. Cool. What do you think? I got to tell you, I was I was so impressed, especially with Ozzy, because I don't know if, if you heard about this, but my I'm sure you have. My two shows that I had tickets for were the two shows that were canceled because of Ozzy's sickness or postponed. Right, right, right. Yeah. So we, we showed up at the doors uh, all excited and were about to walk into the show and we got sent home. So the anticipation was building up so much. A month later, we did end up getting our shows and it was just... Uh, it was it was just uh, it was just two shows that I couldn't miss, and I needed closure with this band because this is a really important band to me. And to have missed two of their shows on, on the final tour that I, I was so close to just couldn't happen. But uh, the first show was great; I had floor tickets, and then the second show I was up in the two hundred level, and it was even better. Oz Ozzy was on, and I couldn't believe his mobility for a guy of his age and his health. Yeah, definitely, and and. What is your whole thought with with the drummer situation? Tommy Klufetis is an excellent drummer, in my opinion, uh, but he's not obviously an original member. He's a guy who wasn't even born, quite frankly, when they were putting out those original records. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you feel about Tommy Klufetis playing these live shows with him? I mean, he, I think he's great. I think he's a very, very talented drummer, and the I think that the amount of freedom that they give him I mean, I I know that they need a break to sit backstage, but still, the amount of freedom he gets in that band to to play the way he he sees fit and to do this, these solos is really remarkable. I think it's it's one of the best gigs that a, a session player could ever have. And I I love Bill Ward. You know, he's he's one of my favorite musicians of all time. He's an absolute legend. But you know, if if he can't pull it off, I think it's Tommy would be probably the best guy to take his place. I was very very impressed with him. Yeah, and it's it's tough. I I think especially for these drummers. I mean, specifically Peter Chris and 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 Bill Ward. They they you know I haven't seen either of them play in in you know well it's been over a decade at this point for both of them. But yeah. when even back a decade ago they weren't in the form that they were back in the seventies, and they can't be. Drumming is such a physical thing. It's like mm-hmm. you, know, you can't expect an athlete to be able to go out and do the same stuff he did when he was in his twenties, when he's you know in his fifties, sixties, and and I mean Bill Ward's got to be almost seventy. So it's like uh, Peter Chris too, for that matter. It's like uh, yeah, they just physically can't do it. And I I think I think uh, Tommy actually is probably injecting a lot of adrenaline into these live shows and power that wouldn't be there with with Bill Ward. But some people, they just want, they don't care. They'd rather have a sluggish Bill Ward on stage just because of the fact that he is original and there's that, uh, you know, I don't know, sentimental feeling that people get about seeing these guys, the all the original members. But, I, you know, I'd rather hear the music sound good myself. No, I agree. And, and they do have – I mean you raise a good point. I mean people don't really care too much. I mean they, they do have you know, like Adam Wakeman playing the keys and stuff and they have a couple background things. Personally, it doesn't matter to me. I think that the show sound – like the current Sabbath tour sounds and looks incredible. And you know, there is a maybe a couple touch-ups on Ozzy's mic here and there and it, it doesn't matter to me. I think he sounds great. And let me just add about Tommy Clufetos that – I think his drum solo, I've seen Sabbath three times in the last couple of years, and his drum solo has gotten some of the best crowd response of the entire night on all three shows that I've seen. Like the audiences 
are absolutely blown away by him. Yeah, definitely. And uh, he's a great guy. We've had him on Talking Metal. Um, yeah. One, let's see. One thing I wanted to get into with you is the whole the whole business of podcasting. You know, uh, I'm a podcaster. I've been doing it since 2005. Um, I obviously work a day job, and and uh, I've had some some great things come about because of Talking Metal. However. At the end of the day, you know, for a long time, for years and years, I wanted, I wanted, I had this dream that, oh, well, Talking Metal will one day, you know, pay my bills and pay my mortgage and, and, you know, buy, buy food for my family. You know, it never happened. And a number of years ago, I, I kind of gave that dream up. And, and when I say I gave that dream up, I gave the dream up that Talking Metal, the podcast, would somehow be a, a good source of income for me. And since then, I've actually enjoyed it more because I don't feel this this pressure. However, having said that, a lot of times I you know I look at these people like you know Adam Carolla, a guy whose show you've been on, you know, yeah. uh, even Joey Diaz, I know you've been you have a relationship with him, been on his show mm-hmm. and he's been on your show, but it's like I don't know what what Joey Diaz makes at his podcast, but I did, you know, I had a, uh, a talk with Chris Jericho about his, his podcast, and he, you know, it's one of the many sources of income that Chris Jericho has, and it's a good source of income for him. Yeah. Um, you know, he he's making you know uh, six figures off of it, and and that's that's great. However, a guy like Chris Jericho has, a, uh, you know, he he probably has a lot of expenses he has staff he has people that work for him so it's one of you know four or five platforms that bring him revenue um you know for a guy like you if you were making that kind of money i would imagine you'd be set that would be an amazing thing uh you know and i listened to some of the frustrations that you've expressed on your podcast recently and just kind of wanted to get a temperature check from you on the state of podcasting and and your goals too and and you know there's a lot of people out there like us who who dream that that this could that this could be a full-time gig and and generate a good source of income uh but then there's the other side of me that thinks no maybe it can't you know i i see like brandy gainville who is i don't know if you know who she is but she has her own podcast on podcast mm-hmm. one she's a big star one of the housewives of la or orange county or whatever and and she she said right on howard stern i don't make any money off my podcast you know mm-hmm. um yeah which to me she's a pretty big star if she can't make money how is somebody like you or or me going to make money doing a podcast you know uh, what what are yeah. your thoughts on it you make a great point mark i mean because it is very difficult to expect to release a we a free podcast uh weekly or or even not even just a podcast a free product and be expecting to make money off of it, it it's it's almost it's a kind of wild to to even expect that and you know i i have wanted that too and i can definitely relate with you know wanting that to pay my bills and wanting that well i mean what bills but you know wanting to make some income off of that you know and i yeah, kind but of you have a goal you have a goal i mean you don't want to be in your parents house forever you want to get out there you want to do your own thing and yeah. it'd be nice to think that hey 
I, I provide a, a product uh, that people enjoy, that people like myself are listen to when I'm when I'm going to work. I'll be listening to your show in my car. That's awesome. Yet, yet you're giving it to me for free. Yet I also have Sirius Radio, you know, and I listen to to Stern and stuff on that in the car too. And I'm paying twenty bucks a month for that. And Stern's making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. You know, so it's like, right. why isn't there any in between? I don't get it. Well, I don't get it either, and and it's it's it seems to me that podcasting back in let's say like from 2011 to 2014, it seems like it was almost all the rage, and it seems like people were were looking at podcasting as the next big thing in media. Like this was the the big boom of of the next wave of things, and it almost seems like that in the last two three years, that's kind of died down a little bit. People still love podcasts and they listen to them. But it seems to be like there's a couple of guys, the main guys. You know, you could list them off the top of your head: Joey Diaz, you know, Rogan, Marin, Corolla, those guys, and the rest of us. Kind of, I don't know, have kind of are a little bit more under the radar than we were before. Um, and I, I feel like podcasting for me is something that I love to do, and it's a lot of fun, and I'm very proud of my work. But for me, it's not the end all, be all. Like I was saying on Joey's show. It's it's something that I could see getting me into a, a a gig that would be actually paying and also be a little bit more mainstream. Even though I would love if I could make money and support myself off the podcast, it's all I'd do. Right. You know, and the thing I struggle with, which w- is that I have a podcast and we have thousands of listeners. Um, called Talking Metal, right? Right in the name there alone, you know, Talking Metal. We 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 can't we can't really have a co- a comic on. I mean, we could, but but people start complaining, and it's like you know, I can I can only pull in so many listeners within. I mean, we just said Ace Frehley's only filling clubs, so you know, we have had Ace on a number of times, and you know, our our, our you know downloads and streams peak a little bit when when ace is on definitely <laughs> yeah. more more than the average show but it's i'm still not getting 20,000 listeners you know once once you get 20,000 listeners every single show you can start to make money you know a guy like Marin I mean when he had Obama on he had uh, over a million downloads but his average episode is getting over a hundred thousand you know so and that's it's, that in itself is for people who don't do a podcast is is astronomical numbers <laughs> 100,000 downloads is a, a, a ton of, of people listening to one podcast episode. And I can guarantee that, that you know, they said when Stern went from FM to Sirius, like his his listeners went from like 10 million to like 500,000, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's like, I, I don't know. I don't get it. And it's, it's so frustrating. But what I was trying to say is with Talking Metal, I honestly have, have toyed with the idea of doing a podcast where it's it's just you know like like the Cassius Moore show, the Mark Striegel show, and I've I, I've tried out different things, and, mm-hmm. and if I were to be able to get a list artists to come on, you know, like the same people who who are on Mark Maron's show or even on the Howard Stern show for that matter, I think maybe I could generate some source of income whether that's what i currently make in my day job i don't know you know yeah but but it's it's uh yeah it's 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 definitely a frustrating uh, thing because it's like even the people we mentioned marin 
I mean, Diaz is a little bit, I don't really know his history probably as well as you do, but Corolla, I mean, Corolla was an FM radio morning guy and then he went to podcasting. You know, he's a major, mm-hmm. major star. He's, yeah. he, you know, so that, that name recognition has helped him immensely. But do you ever sure. hear like the mediocre show? I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, those guys have been podcasting a long time and, and they do a good show and they, they don't really do a lot of guests. It's just their, like, you know, funny guy shtick business. Um, and they seemed, I don't know, I'd be curious to, like, how much income they generate. I suspect they generate a little bit, but not, not a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I'd love for, for podcasting to be profitable for, for people like, like you and I, because I think we have a passion for it. I think we provide a, a good, entertaining, uh, show that that people dig you know but it's like yeah. I'm, I'm sick of asking people to you know hey use our amazon links and you know and, and use the paypal uh mm-hmm. donation button which the listeners do and I'm, I'm so thankful but it's still it's it's barely enough and sometimes it's not even enough to to cover the costs of what i'm doing here with you know web hosting and and that's not even talking about the time that i put into it but uh that's that's the other big issue too yeah I mean, I listen to Jericho's podcast. I don't know if you listen to that. And and honestly, sometimes he does a great show. He he has some good interviews, but other times I can't believe what I'm listening to and how to me it's not all that entertaining. There were like some of the times when he reviews movies and stuff with with his you know, his whack pack or whatever those guys are. I can't believe how boring it is to me and I can't believe right. that here's a guy. This guy just basically because he's Chris Jericho is making, you know, over a hundred grand a year on his podcast, you know? So I don't know. It's, it's very frustrating for me, but it's like, I do, I do think for you, you know, that, that your, your best bet and, and you can, this is why I'm just throwing out advice is, sure. is, you know, you got the kiss fan base, you got, you got some of the, the rock people and, and the comedians, but I think you need to expand even more than that. And, and, uh, you know, try, try your best to just, I mean, I think the comedy thing is a, is a better route than the music thing. Um, as far as, potential you know a path that potentially can make it profitable because i just don't think that you can you can talk about kiss and you can even have rock stars on you know it's just not gonna pull in the money in in my opinion whereas the comedy thing seems to have maybe more potential do you agree with that I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, it, it's not uh, rock and roll. I guess that people who are a huge fan of rock and metal, such as ourselves, kind of forget that. I'd say a lot of the general public it just isn't even on the radar. I mean, I, I know a lot of people that I'll be hanging out with them, and I'll be listening to music, and I'll say, "Well, what do you want to hear?" They say, "I don't know anything but rock." I mean, it's no, it's, it's true. not. It's yeah, it's true. not on on a lot of people's minds and um that what you mentioned about the comedy being more profitable is true but i would be willing to even throw in a third wild card and say that the most profitable thing you could cover right now is hip-hop and rap if you want to make money right you and you interview let's say drake these days you know you're gonna get insane numbers of downloads but are, even, there, are there hip-hop podcasts out there that that just talk about hip-hop I, I'm sure there are, and and they're 
I'd say that most of the the most popular interview shows on YouTube, but let, you know, let it be known that these are on the radio, on mainstream, you know, actual radio and serious. But the interview shows that are the most popular on YouTube right now are all hip hop. Yeah, and I do. YouTube's a whole nother story. Like I think YouTube's a better platform to make money off of than podcasting. Yes, yeah, I mean, and the live broadcasting is a is a very good component as well for, to connect with your listeners because. You know, when I see a, a random live broadcast on my Facebook, I'm a lot more likely to click it than a, just a regular video of some random guy's podcast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the other thing I've heard you mention on your on your show that you've you've thought about moving to Los Angeles, and and mm-hmm. uh, I honestly think that. You know, and a lot of people don't like this and they don't believe this because, well, everything's, you know, connected now with the Internet. But I do think being in a place like Los Angeles would be something that is helpful for bringing in the guests. You yeah, know? I mean, it's definitely. Like you look at Marin and, and the people he gets to come by his garage that would work. That wouldn't even work in New York. That that would only work in one place, and that's you know Hollywood or exactly the surrounding area. And uh, I mean, Corolla, a similar thing. I mean, Corolla, he definitely has a a bigger marquee name, if you will. So that helps him. But uh, I do think that that being in Los Angeles is definitely very helpful for bringing in these big name people. Uh, do you yeah. still think about moving out there? I, I still do think about it all the time, and I feel like it's calling my name. I mean, I do want to visit there before I move, obviously, just to you know to feel it out and check it out and see what I think. But you know, it, it's it's a big city, and it can, right. things can go very well, and things can go very wrong. You know, if oh, yeah. if I am going to move there, I'm going to do it properly. But that is a good point. I mean, what would let's say a huge artist like that would be hard to get on a podcast like Kanye West, for right. for example. Would he be more likely to do an interview when he's in a city for one day with some random guy or when he's 20 minutes away from this random guy's studio? You know? Yeah. It's a well, good point. yeah. And the other thing would be that somebody told somebody that you're, uh, that told him, you know, the word of mouth that, hey, Cassius is cool and you can go do a show with him. And that, that's, that helps immensely just that you're yeah. in the circle, you know? And I mean, you know, you look at the Kardashians or whatever, and I mean, you know, people hate them, and but people mm-hmm. love them. Imagine, imagine you're in L.A. and you got one of those girls on your show. It would be off the charts. I mean, people make careers out of just reporting about that family. You know, uh, I know, yeah, it's and, crazy, and it's uh, it's 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 definitely, I think, helpful to be in a place like that or. And it might be the only place that's like that, you know, and it's like uh, I sometimes regret that I never made the move to to uh, California. However, I do, you know, love being in the New York area. And that that is if there's the second place you're going to be, it's probably it's probably New York. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I, I have been hearing a lot about New York lately because I'm a huge Stern fan myself and just, right. you know, imagining just being around like the serious studio and stuff. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, but even back in the day, you know, Stern used to complain that he wouldn't get the guests because he was in New York. And, and, you know, David Letterman even would complain about not getting as good a guess as <laughs> Leno because he wasn't, uh, he wasn't in L.A. And it was just easier for, for the people to drop by Leno's show than it was Letterman's show. And that was always something he struggled with. And, uh, 
and uh, would talk about occasionally. So yeah, good stuff. That does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I still, it's like, it's like, I still have this dream of doing a show that isn't just rock based or metal based and maybe someday I'll do it, but it's just like uh, the older you get, the more responsibility you have with, with mm-hmm. things. And it's like, it's, it's very hard for me to uh, think about doing another podcast without giving up like talking metal which at this point i'm just not quite ready to to do yet but maybe someday yeah no it's i mean it's definitely doable and and, you know you were talking about expanding i'm expanding myself past even past the entertainment industry you know i'm going to be doing an interview with my father He, he was a constable you know, on the police force for many, many years, over a decade, and he's worked in security. He's been a, a you know, a prison guard, and just stuff like that. You know, I've, I've got a paramedic coming up on the show. He was an EMT for many years, and you know, just trying to expand and get many different people's kinds of life stories, even if they aren't in the entertainment industry. Cool, I love that. I love that. Well, I got to wrap it up because I got to go grab my kids. But sure, let's let's run down everything, uh, Cassius Morris. Tell us what the shows are. Um, the show, you can find it at CassiusMorris.com. It, basically, it's it's mostly a music and comedy podcast, and we do interviews with various comedians. We have a new episode dropping tonight with uh, Darren Carter, the party starter, who is a comedian from Los Angeles. And uh, we've had Eric Singer from Kiss, Marty Friedman from Megadeth, uh, Joey Diaz, as we mentioned, Adam Carolla, uh, members of Havoc were just on the show. We did an interview in their bus. And we've had a lot of uh, awesome guests and a lot more coming up. So you can check that out at CassiusMorris.com and on iTunes. And I really hope you guys enjoy it. We we did do a lot of Kiss-themed episodes as well and many more to come. And, um, we, yeah, we also just did a Black Sabbath Sabotage Roundtable review, and that was a lot of fun. So lots more to come on the show. And and I really appreciate you having me on, Mark. Oh, you bet. And what about social media? Where you got Facebook and Twitter and all that, I'm sure, right? Yep, the Cassius Morris Show's Facebook page is a facebook.com slash Cassius Show. And uh, my personal Twitter is at Cassius Morris, C-A-S-S-I-U-S-M-O-R-R-I-S. Cool. All right, we'll have that all linked through today's show notes on Talking Metal. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the one thing I will I will end on this, because I know we have a, a lot of fellow rock and metal podcasters that listen to this show, yeah, and and if you're gonna do, I, I listen. I, I it took me a while to accept this, but if you're gonna do a rock and or metal podcast, you should be doing it because you love it and because it's something that you enjoy. Because if 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 you're in it for the money or you're thinking that oh I got to just stick with this and the money will eventually flow, it's not going to. I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, yep. it's just it's just not. And I agree. it can be a platform like like Eddie Trunk's podcast. I don't want to I don't know. I don't have any inside info on this, but I don't I suspect it makes very little money that, you know, he has platforms. He has he has his show on Sirius. He has his FM show in, in New York and Boston. And those are on each one. Each of those are on once a week. He has the VH1 Classic, uh, that metal show platform, or at least he had it. Uh, yeah. Now he's got the platform. Now he's got the podcast. These are all platforms that then allow him to go out and do his speaking engagements and his appearance uh, appearances. You know, hosting Rock on the Range or whatever. And that's where he cashes in. Honestly, that's where he gets the money. So that that's another thing to to consider, you know, um, to just uh, it, that that even if you aren't making money off your podcast, that it is a good platform. 
Um, exactly. Yeah. The podcast is what allowed me to start getting photo passes because of the website and the podcast. And now I'm, I'm shooting like at least one show a week. And that, that right there is a good source of income. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this weekend I'm going up to the rock derby outside of Albany, New York, and I have full access, you know, they're going to set me up in the press tent backstage with Wi-Fi, and it's exciting and it's fun and I get to talk with with rock stars. I might be able to get my picture with Nikki 6 or something while I'm there. But, you know, it, it, it do I do I make money off of that? No. No, I don't make money off of that. But Yeah, I mean, um, the free tickets don't hurt, too. That's another no, big perk. No. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. I'm not I'm not complaining. Um, and I'll just, uh, I'll end my rant there, but cash it's always great talking with you. Uh, let's do this again. Let's do it again soon. I don't want to wait, you know, another a year and a half before you come back on. Yeah. Sounds great. And I'd love to have you back on my show as well. Maybe, maybe for an album review or something like that. We got a lot of those coming up. Yeah, no, seriously. I'd love to do that. Awesome. Sounds great. All right. Thank All right. you. All right, man. I'll All talk right. to you soon. All right. Take care.